Welcome to Lawyers on the Block, a crypto law podcast from Roman Kubiak and myself, Kieran Forsyth, in the Private Wealth Group here at Hugh James. Over the series, we'll be looking at some of the major issues and hot topics in the crypto and digital asset space right now. Trigger warning, we are lawyers, so we'll inevitably talk about some of the legal issues involved. But don't worry, we'll try to keep the legal jargon to a minimum. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another podcast of Lawyers on the Block. And today is a bit of a twist because we have myself, of course, a lawyer, and joined by an accountant, David Conway, which is great. And uh, the the topics of discussion today are going to be the key tax tips for those who hold, sell, trade, or in any other way, deal with cryptocurrency or, or digital assets with with value. So it's tax heavy. So strap yourselves in. Of course, don't grumble when you hear that this is all about tax, because we will try to make it exciting. And indeed, much of the intrigue relating to to tax in this area is that it could be fair to say that there is some shying away of how it applies or attaches to these assets. And perhaps it's also fair to say that the shyness could be down to the failure of holders of these types of assets to come to grips with the taxable nature behind them. Perhaps those are reasons which are innocent, or perhaps there are elements which are a little more nefarious. But either way, it's important to, of course, get to grips with them. So to help make sense of the key areas of tax in in this area, I'm delighted to be joined by David Conway, who is a director of both the professional practice and private client teams at Crow. David, you'll correct me, but I know that Crow is a leading tax advisory and risk firm, independent member of Crow Global, who, of course, we all know are one of the top 10 accounting networks globally. So very happy to have them on board today. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. And how are things going? Oh, thanks, Kieran. And thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. Yes, I'm, I could have said that better myself. I'm a director in the private client team of Crow UK LLP based in their London office. We have lovely offices at the bottom of Ludgate Circus in the city. And yeah, I mean, I I deal with all sorts of personal tax from advisory down to helping people do the tax returns, actually the tax return compliance. Turn my hand to most things, but one of my areas of particular specialism is crypto, crypto asset and how that is taxed on individuals. So thank you very much for letting me come in and talk uh, talk about that today. No, it's, it, it's our pleasure. And, um, you know, obviously everyone's heard Roman and myself waffle on about the, the, the legal side of things, much of it, which is, of course, case law heavy and, and how the courts have interpreted, you know, the holding of, of crypto assets. And of course, there's an increasing amount of cases involving recovery of those assets and using the English and Welsh courts as a forum to do so, which, of course, we're all happy about. But on the non-contentious side of law is, of course, well, it could also be contentious, is, of course, the the, the tax element. And given the huge gains in, in crypto assets, you know, in terms of capital gains, I suppose, it's an important one to to discuss. So let's hope that the listeners are listening. I'm sure they are. But whenever there's an issue around tax, I think people do tend to, to dip into it with a more keen ear. So my understanding of tax in this area of crypto and digital assets largely relates to that of estate planning. 
and quite crucially, how one goes about dealing with those assets once an estate of someone who has passed away is in the administration process. And of course, that brings into account all sorts of things like, you know, do the executors or administrators themselves know, have they put themselves into a position of knowing whether the deceased owned crypto assets? And then if they can establish that that was the case, how then do they go about accessing those assets, which of course can be a minefield depending on how they are owned or held. But for the purposes of today, no one wants to hear me drone on about how digital assets should be dealt with in that context. And I think this podcast lends itself to the more immediate tax concerns, i.e. that of income tax, capital gains tax for current holders of these assets. And that's why we're so grateful to have you here today. I think it might be worth setting the scene before we start. Of course, this is not meant to be a a scaremongering podcast at all. I think the opposite, really. I think it's meant to inspire listeners to consider their tax position if they have not already done so. I think it it, it would help to to provide the context. And again, you'll you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's now commonly known. Well, in fact, it is commonly known that in late 2020, HMRC began the process of requesting disclosure of crypto asset holdings and those behind those holdings. And and of course, they have the power to do so conferred by the Finance Act, both 2008 and 2011. And I believe that most exchanges where such assets are held are receptive to those requests. I mean, certainly the large one, like Coinbase, has been. And I, I believe they agreed to disclose details of all UK holders with values at over 5,000, which is going to be quite a lot of people in England and Wales. I think the takeaway before we start really is from that is that, of course, HMRC are alive to the issue. They expect tax to be flowing in from the holders of these assets and are actively pursuing that line of of tax stream. Is, does that accord with your with your thinking and, and experience, David? Yeah, I think that's right. Certainly, it's an issue that HMRC are trying to get to grips with themselves, trying to understand themselves. And as with other areas of income and gains that people can get, HMRC are equipping themselves with more and more sources of information, sources of powers to obtain information from the actual exchanges uh, so that they can collect information on who is holding crypto within those exchanges with the aim to contact them, catch up with them, send them sort of called prompt-in letters, asking for disclosures if disclosures haven't been made already. I think it's quite quite good in the sense that don't think we've seen as many so far that we were perhaps expecting. But having said that, you're right that Coinbase, I think only this month, issued another statement to say that they would be issuing certain information to HMRC on behalf of asset holders. I think it's certainly coming in a large way, but I think this that makes it even more important that asset holders of crypto, if they haven't got their tax affairs sorted, that they do so without delay. And those that have made declarations to make sure that, you know, they are up to date with them and that they're doing everything in the right way. And if they're if they're not sure that they have to seek the appropriate advice. I think this is extremely important. And I think what we're hopefully trying to today is to kind of really go to the basics so that, you know, individuals that you know, from from people who are just dabbling in crypto to those who are perhaps 
dabble in a bit more are clear on what you know they need to do just to make sure that they're compliant with HMRC UK tax as well. Yeah, and I, I think people will really, really benefit from that. Shall we? Shall we start with the real fundamentals? You know, doing a, a, bit, a bit of work behind the behind the scenes for this podcast, and and we had a bit of a an exchange yesterday where you, you said you'd try and comment on HMRC's thinking behind all of this. But HMRC considers that crypto assets are not in fact currency, even though we know assets such as Bitcoin operates virtually in the same manner. Instead, they treat them as traditional assets for tax purposes. And of course, this means that profits on them, whether income or capital, are taxable. This may sound fairly elementary, but David, why did HMRC come up with that assessment? If, if you can glean some light on that or shed some light on that, that would be really useful. Well, yes, Kieran, I did actually have a look on their website this morning just to see whether they could say why that policy was adopted. And <laughs> Well, you know, there was this government task force that was set up in 2018 that reported in October of that year. That report said that crypto assets could be classed as traditional assets, at least uh, at that point. Now, that was some time ago. I think the, the good ship of crypto has moved on a little bit since then. But to treat cryptocurrencies and other crypto assets as traditional assets really rather suits HMRC because they can then apply traditional methods of taxation to crypto assets. Now, that can only really go so far, ultimately, because you're effectively applying 20th century tax rules to what is very much a 21st century medium. But I think certainly at its most basic, and you know, perhaps let's not get too carried away with, with anything too clever here, but at its most basic of buying Bitcoin, selling Bitcoin, buying Ethereum, buying whatever, HMRC in their 20th century mind could say, well, that's kind of like shares, isn't it? And that's exactly how HMRC would apply the rules, the tax rules to crypto assets, as if they are shares, uh, like your BP shares or Shell shares or Marks and Spencer shares, whatever it may be. And that is how HMRC decided to treat crypto assets and the buying, selling, exchange of tokens as if they were shares. I don't see them changing their tune on that anytime soon. No, 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 absolutely not. And, uh, you know, to go back, you, you mentioned the task force, and I know. There were some you know, pretty key individuals there in, in the finance and regulatory world, of course, Andrew Bailey being one of them. So I think there was lots of authority behind that. And of course, as you say, it makes sense for HMRC to treat it on, on a traditional level. I, I suppose it gives them clarity, doesn't it? And, and it gives asset holders clarity as well, because everyone knows how HMRC treat those traditional asset types. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And, and to be fair, the rules are quite clear on that. And, and there isn't really too much room for confusion on that side. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Thank you. So <laughs> that's a very comprehensive answer, which is really appreciated. So let's, let's get on to some of the nitty gritty. So, I mean, some of the listeners may want to ascertain how and when tax attaches itself to a situation where they have simply held on to these assets in one form or the other and not encashed it to that of fiat currency, which the, the listeners do know and, and you know, they, they're well aware of what that is. But in, in your opinion, um, David, do they now need to worry about tax on crypto assets if they haven't converted their crypto back into fiat currency? 
Yes, they very much do. And I think this is the area where people do still get confused about. Certainly when I talk to individuals who are engaging in this sort of activity for the first time, that's the bit that they haven't quite got their heads around. So if you put a certain amount of fiat currency into an exchange, be it Coinbase or whatever, and you buy a crypto asset, and then you start exchanging some of that crypto asset for another crypto asset, you, as far as HMRC are concerned, you are making a disposal because you are disposing of one crypto asset and replacing it or acquiring another crypto asset. And these are all different assets as far as HMRC are concerned. So every time you make an exchange, that is a capital gains tax event. And that needs, it needs to be considered whether you've made a gain or indeed a loss. And then that needs to be reported to HMRC. What you can't do is wait until you convert any of those assets, uh, crypto assets back into fiat currency. That is perhaps one of the biggest mistakes that people make, which is why I can't emphasize that strongly enough. Absolutely. And, and these can be huge gains, can't they? I mean, let's think of someone, if, if they were... If they held Bitcoin in for the heights of, of 2021 and then converted that to, let's say, Ether, that then is a disposal. HMRC may not know about that disposal because it takes place within the exchange, although the exchange might, may now be giving up that information to HMRC. So, you know, although this is not meant to be scaremongering, if there is a listener or a few out there that haven't reported any gains and they have made gains, then of course what David has said is is highly applicable to you. And again, not meaning to scaremonger, but any unpaid tax usually carries penalties and interest. It does. It does. And again, without wishing to scare people on this, if they haven't been contacted by HMRC yet, don't wait until you do. Because as far as the penalties go, if there is quite a lot of tax that hasn't been paid and there are penalties or there's a question of penalties, HMRC usually will take a much more lenient approach and they have the scope to do that within their regulations. If you come to HMRC unprompted by them, than if you wait until you get a letter from them to say, we think you've been doing stuff and then you go to them. So if you haven't made any declarations of gains and you have made them within your crypto, it is actually really important that you do get that looked at as soon as you possibly can, even if it's only a little bit. So sometimes when people are just dabbling a bit in crypto and the amounts, as far as they're concerned, might not be that much, there might still be things that need reporting, particularly if you're already doing tax returns and already have gains on other assets. Because then if you've used up your annual exemption, that that tax-free amount that you can have of gains without paying any capital gains tax, if you've used that up already on other stuff, then any gains you've made on crypto are going to need to be reported. And HMRC could still come running after you, wanting their pound of flesh, even if it's not a huge amount. So it is definitely worth getting that looked at. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Well, there we are. Folks, if, if that is you, perhaps contact David or, or someone similar and, and get some advice and, and start looking at it. But let's, let's look at a, another 
on the flip side of things. So if you think of someone being lucky enough to have bought 100 Bitcoin in 2015 at a price of 200 pounds, then all, you know, it, it comes through to 2021, that rolls around. And that holding, I believe, would be in, in the region with a value of above 4 million, which of course is a huge, huge gain. So let's look at the position, as I said, on the flip side, if you bought 100 Bitcoin in 2021, which would have cost you a lot of money, and then sold them yesterday, where their value is roughly half. How does it all work with capital losses, David? Yeah, so in that unfortunate situation, if, if you've sold them or you've converted them into another crypto asset, so exchanged it to another token, you would need to, again, report that on your tax return and effectively claim the capital loss. So the loss needs to be calculated. The way the loss would be calculated would really depend on what other transactions you've had in Bitcoin, for example. So if in this situation, you've just literally bought 100 Bitcoin in 2021, and then you've sold that 100 Bitcoin the following year, the loss would be a straight proceeds, what you sold them for, less what you bought them for. If there's been other transactions of Bitcoin and you don't sell the entirety of your holding, then there's things like share pools and, and slightly more complicated ways of working that, that we could sort out and I won't confuse people with now. But if we're just talking about straight buying 100 Bitcoin, selling 100 Bitcoin, you work out the loss on that and then you need to declare that loss on the tax return of the year that you sold the Bitcoin. And the good news, if there is good news to glean out of, of a loss like that, is that you can then use that loss because you've then reported it to HMRC. You can use that loss to set against other crypto gains that happen in the same year or in future years, or indeed any other disposals that you make, any other capital gains that you make on traditional shares or property or anything really that comes with a capital gain. So for some people, that could actually be really helpful to crystallize those losses by declaring them to HMRC. What you can't do, again, going back to the point of putting fiat currency into an exchange, doing lots of transactions, and then getting fiat currency coming out, you can't offset it just in your own head like that. You have to declare each gain, each loss separately to HMRC, usually through your tax return. And that could be, of course, we, we can see the, the, the benefits there, but actually everyone is busy. You know, Most people that have significant holdings within exchanges are most likely busy people themselves. You can see how that's quite an in-depth exercise to take because of the way people do flip in between, you know, let's say Bitcoin, ETH or whatever, in terms of a, a normal trade, for want of a, a better word. But in this case, of course, it's treated as a disposal which is an important distinction to make. It is. And, and actually, these days, for people that have made significant transactions, so there's an awful lot of trades going on, there is software that we can use now, which allows us to sort of circumvent some of the calculations, kind of does some of the calculations for us. So even if people come to us with tens of thousands of transactions, particularly if there's a lot of previous years that haven't been declared, sort of gone are really the days that we have to sit with an Excel spreadsheet going through each one, each line one by one. There is ways that we can use technology to reduce 
the man power or the man hours on on those calculations. That's good to hear. And, and of course, I think people that potentially have an issue in, in that regard would be really helped by that <laughs> in terms of a, a, a time. But I'm assuming that software is probably quite expensive and, won't, and they won't want to buy it themselves. But anyway, it's good that it's it's out there. <laughs> Which is- yeah, it's not actually as expensive as you would think, but it's something oh, okay. that we can. It's something that we or you know we can either help individuals get or kind of do it for them effectively. Yeah, yeah, okay. That that sounds like a very very good service. And in terms of, I, I think then you wanted to talk about negligible value claims and falls in value and and you know scenarios where the value has been lost because of theft, which of course ties in what what we do on on, on the litigation side of things in terms of recovery but from a tax side of things i think that's that's quite interesting isn't it yeah so again it's it's a way that when if something unfortunate has happened just trying to see what we can do from a tax perspective to lessen the blow if you like and predominantly the way that i can help obviously you would kieran would help in much more important ways in terms of trying to recover the assets but the way we can help from a tax perspective if, if the unfortunate has happened, is to see what losses we can claim there. Negligible value claims can sometimes be slightly contentious. HMRC do want to know what's been going on. And I think it falls under certain different categories. So in the most traditional sense, the purpose of a negligible value claim is when the value of an asset has fallen to, to zero effectively it's worthless or it's worth next to nothing yeah maybe 50p or something like that and there's no realistic chance of recovery there's no realistic chance that the value is going to go up so where that could be of value to crypto assets is usually where most basic sets is usually where the crypto asset in question has basically become worthless for whatever reason that might be. And if that is the case and evidence can be shown to prove that and to show that there's no realistic chance that it's going to go up in value, maybe it's been abandoned or whatever, then a negligible value can usually be claimed. So effectively, you are claiming what you paid for that asset to be your loss. And in the unlikely event, and I say unlikely, it should be extremely unlikely because you probably wouldn't have got it in the first place. If it did go back up in value when you sold it, then you would be taxed on the entirety of the proceeds from that sale as a gain. As a gain, okay. And and does that happen from when you, let's say, if you recover them, you know, let's say you instruct you, James, or someone similar, and you achieve a successful recovery, does that gain start from when you then, let's say it's a theft or hacking or same thing, does that gain start from when you receive the assets back or from when you first held the asset? So what I've just talked about, I think, really is where the actual crypto asset itself has become worthless. If a crypto asset's been stolen or the private key has been lost, then really you have to wait until there is no realistic chance that you're going to get that back. So if, for example, crypto has been stolen, and the individual instructs Hugh James to try and recover that asset, it's unlikely, I think, that HMRC would accept a negligible value claim until that process has been gone through. So until really you've exhausted all options to try and recover that asset. Because 
theft or stolen assets are not really treated as a disposal or they're not treated as a disposal by HMRC. So really, in, in order to get any sort of buy-in from HMRC, you've really got to demonstrate if there has been a loss or, or indeed there's been a theft, that there's really no chance of you getting that back. So no claims really can be made straight away. Yeah, I, I see that. Okay, so if, if you're in the recovery litigation phase, you know, be transparent with HMRC and they will effectively treat it as paused. It may still be in your name if it comes back, of course, then... No, nothing's happened effectively yeah nothing's happened yeah okay that, that's good to, that's good to know moving on to another topic in, in our first podcast of this series um we discussed the huge fallout from ftx and of course that was absolutely massive you know people losing millions and from a tax perspective of course we've discussed about losses but what's your what's your take on on the ftx fallout david well, uh, it's very unfortunate. From a tax perspective, there is proceedings going on, probably something that you know a lot more about than I do, Kieran. But I think it really follows the same principle that I've just described about lost or stolen assets. I think at the moment where we are, and whilst there's still proceedings going on, I don't really think that a negligible value claim is going to fly with HMRC because there's still a chance that you might get some of your assets back. Once those proceedings have been exhausted, then I think that can be relooked at. I would hope that HMRC would opine on something as large as the FTX fallout with regards to negligible value claims, but let's see what happens. But I think at the moment, it's probably best for people to sit tight and wait and see. One of the other things, actually, just on, on a slightly different but related issue on FTX is with regards, I know I've had individuals who did trades off of FTX but can't get into the, the website anymore, can't access their account. And that actually applies to other exchanges that have gone down, trying to recover any transaction history that you might not have. If you have got transaction history already, whether it's CSV files or whatever it is, really important that you keep that because you might not be able to get it from FTX anymore. Because any transactions that you've done before it went down, FTX, they're still being treated as gains or losses in the same way. It's only really the point at which they lost the assets or the assets kind of got frozen that you then consider negligible value claims and what you can do there. Well, there we go. So that's some sage advice on anyone that's that's listening that's been hurt, and it, and it is a hurt, from the FTX fallout. So there we go. All right. And, and of course, you know, when people are in exchanges such as FTX or, or, or Coinbase, etc., they, they, of course, are trading, for want of a better phrase, I suppose, or better word. In your opinion, David, I know you wanted to talk on this. I mean, what constitutes a trade in crypto in, in the realm of income tax? Yeah, so we've been mainly talking about capital gains and gains and losses that can be attributed there. HMRC, on the whole, consider that most people who are buying, selling, exchanging crypto tokens will be engaged in capital gain tax activity. So falling under the capital gains tax regime, where actually you have lower tax rates, 10%, but if you've still got basic rate band or 
probably more likely 20% uh, on your gains, rather than trading in the tax sense, which really is a phrase that is more appropriate to people carrying out their actual work. So, you know, be that self-employment or whatever that might be. HMRC generally don't like accepting that someone is trading in cryptocurrency and will only really allow that in exceptional circumstances. So, you know, there needs to be very high frequency, sophistication. this, This has to effectively be your job, I think, for it to really fly. There is what's called the badges of trade, which, again, I'm going back to 20th century methods being used on a 21st century activity. But HMRC, if there was someone from HMRC here talking to you right now, they would start harping on about the badges of trade and looking at all that sort of thing to really determine whether you are trading or not. Now, what is the difference? The main difference is that your gains would be subject to income tax and your losses you know, you, you could offset your losses against other income that you've got. Now, if you're making lots of gains, that's not great because your income tax rates are going to be higher than your capital gains tax rates. You know, we're talking 20%, 40%, maybe even 45% if your income is over £150,000. What HMRC get worried about, I think, are the risk of losses. So if you've got large losses, can you set them then against your other income? Maybe you do have an employment or some other work that you do. You know, HMRC don't really want to see crypto losses being set against that income. If you think you are, or you actually have a case to say that you are trading, then by all means talk to a tax advisor and, and they can look at that for you. There's other activities that do lend themselves to being taxed as income, mining, staking, airdrops, things like that. There's lots of other crypto activities that, you know, we really haven't. Think on this podcast, we're very much looking at a very basic level of buying and selling. But there are other activities within the crypto space that do lend themselves to being of an income variety, whether that is as trading income or whether that's sort of treated by HMRC as miscellaneous income. But effectively, that that might be taxed as income. But from a buying, selling, exchanging tokens perspective, it's unusual for HMRC to accept that you're engaging in a income tax activity. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's there we are. That's a very comprehensive answer. And again, it sounds like if if I was in the position of of having done all that, I would certainly I would certainly want some some advice just to get it's certainly it's certainly, you know, we, we have made claims to say that people have been trading before. Yeah. But it's certainly something that you need to have pretty solid argument, solid ground on to put that to HMRC. Yeah, absolutely. As with anything with HMRC, I think, you know, the the advice you get at the start and before you approach them and the manner in which you approach them certainly is worth spending the time and making sure you get it right. Talking about getting things right, I mean, of course, the, the tax world is in, in England and Wales is, is, of course, dealing with remittance a lot of the time where you have non-domiciled but resident individuals. And I've touched on some remittance issues previously in, in matters I've worked with when I was predominantly doing non-contentious private client work. 
On the location side of things, David, in terms of these crypto assets, I, I know you, you really wanted to speak about this, and it is a controversial area, isn't it? So what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, it is. And I know we were, we were, we were talking about this before the podcast as well. Uh, I've always taken a bit of a punchy view on this. This is the, perhaps the area where I'm not entirely sure that HMRC have got right. But, you know, who am I to say? <laughs> Well, you could be very important in suggesting that. So, <laughs> <laughs> HMRC take the view that the situs, so the location of a crypto asset, is where the owner, where the crypto holder, is resident for tax purposes. Now, it's very convenient for HMRC because if you have a UK resident, non-domiciled individual, and they are using the remitted spaces so that they're only taxed on their income and gains to the extent that their UK gain, income or gains, or overseas to the extent they brought them into the UK. If you say that the location of all crypto assets is where the owner is resident and the owner is resident in the UK, you can't use the remitted spaces against crypto assets. Now, I know that a lot of people have in the past used the remitted spaces quite often looking at where the private key is held as being inspiration for the for the situs of the asset and have had hmrc inquiries and so on and so forth now to my knowledge i don't think this point has yet been brought up to a first tier tax tribunal although i know kieran that there's been other court cases that have agreed to one degree or another with what HMRC have said. I would still say that that from a tax perspective is a matter of debate. I know that there's a lot of tax counsel who disagree with their view. To my knowledge, I don't really, you know, I would like to see a tax case being taken. I think it's quite interesting that a tax case hasn't been taken yet, which makes me wonder how confident HMRC still are of that view. But I think anyone who is in that position or has open inquiries on that, they probably have already got advice from a tax perspective. But I would say that is still a, an area of contention. In my head, it still is anyway. No, I think you're absolutely right there. And yes, I mean, we'll, we'll await the day where, where a decision has been made on that. Like with anything crypto related, and I think perhaps the, the biggest takeaway of all of this is that things are up in the air. They're up in the air on a common law you know, or case law basis in terms of how we go about getting recovery. And although that is getting there and there have been some really important decisions and successful recovery, I think globally the world is, is still getting to grips with that. I think we're in an enviable position that, that England really is the forum where you've seen much of the successful litigation, which is fantastic. And I think also England, is it fair to say that this jurisdiction is one where the tax on this area has actually been looked at with sensible eyes, perhaps not so much on the location of the assets and, and the remittance basis, but you can see some of the logic behind what HMRC were wanting to do there. So, yeah, I, I think the key takeaway going back to that is, of course, if you if you are listening and you're concerned by any big gain or any disposal, as we as we know it now is the case, or if you consider that you are trading for the purposes of income tax, or if you have made substantial losses and feel like those could be useful against other traditional assets where you've made a gain, then I think this is very much a, a case of, you know, look to get advice 
look to approach HMRC correctly. And ultimately, I, I think, without, without being too colloquial, front up and, and, and get to grips with everything. Is, is that right, would you say, David? Yeah, no, I, th- I think definitely, definitely, Kieran. I, mean, I, I, th- I think the important thing really is if you haven't thought about what tax disclosures you need to make yet on crypto activity or haven't reported anything, really, I can't emphasize enough that that does need to get looked at, particularly been doing it for some years. That, I think, is probably the biggest takeaway. Don't wait for HMRC to catch up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've, you've heard it from someone who, who has clients in this sphere, who has advised them, who's approached HMRC on these topics. So it was one of the more serious podcasts that we've got. But as with everything with tax, I fear it, it has to be. Um, I think Roman and I are, are somewhat chatty on here and, and we really enjoy the subject and hopefully that comes across. But I think this has been really useful for, for listeners where you know, they, they find themselves potentially falling foul. All of all of these issues. So, uh, David is a really, really lovely, lovely man. Um, we, we've met him for drinks on a couple of occasions. Really, really friendly, really approachable, even though he deals with some pretty serious and, and complex matters. So, David, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thank you. And we'll see you soon. And there we have it. That wraps up our podcast for today. Thanks for listening to Lawyers on the Block. If you made it this far, then you clearly enjoyed it. So why not subscribe to make sure you hear the next episode as soon as it comes out? Remember, nothing on this podcast is financial or legal advice. But if you do want to talk to a lawyer about any crypto issues that you may have, then please do get in touch at crypto at hughjames.com. 